Today's episode of Athletes Rising is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents, coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids' information is. Cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand. Do you or your organization run any kind of camps? Cinch is going to be your answer. Download the app, register your organization, create your camp program, and publish. It's as simple as that. All done from your tablet. Now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone. You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right, Cinch is a mobile app. So as an organization, you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising, episode 11. I'm your host, Kelly Gray. I'm joined today by Aaron Seitz. Aaron and I speak all about his sports experience playing high school basketball in Indiana um, and playing many, many sports growing up and how that helped him develop. We get into some of the adversity that he faced in his team, in his own personal growth, in figuring out that basketball was this sport for him and then into college playing at Hanover College uh, in Indiana as well he runs competition matters we talk a lot about what the goal of that is um, so I think everybody's going to really enjoy this conversation so without any further ado let's jump right on in hey everybody welcome to this episode of athletes rising I'm your host Kelly Gray and I am joined today by Aaron Seitz Aaron welcome to the show thank you so much for being here um, this is gonna be fun well thank you Kelly I'm looking forward to it um, so let's just jump right on in let's let's start with uh, you know growing up in Indiana well I tell you growing up in Indiana was fantastic because sports was an important part of of that growing up experience for myself and my friends yeah. um, I started playing sports as young as I can rem- as young as I can remember and according to my parents probably even before I could remember uh, they, <laughs> they tell fun stories about me picking up uh, a toy I don't, I don't know if you remember the the rings that I guess you call it like a ring set toy. It was like a cone that screwed into a base and there were multicolored <laughs> rings on it. Sure. And they said as young as 18 months, I took the rings off of it and I just started talking and I would carry the, the piece that the rings would fit on around, unscrewed the base. And, and when they asked me what I was doing, I said, baseball bat. <laughs> and so Amazing. they were like, you, there's never been a time that you, you weren't engaged in sports. And so, you know, going back to those early years, whether it was, that young with the baseball bat, even getting into the three and four year old time where I remember my parents, we lived out in the country on a farm and my parents hung a basketball rim off of the top of like about a four and a half, five foot high fence Mm -hmm. and gave me a little miniature basketball. I'd go out there and shoot. And they have video on an old eight millimeter, like video (laughs) track, that just some great, uh, great times as a kid and uh, an environment where you could truly engage in sports in an open type manner. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And, you know, I know through other conversations that we've had, like you were definitely multi-sport. You played anything and everything you could find, right? 
I did. In fact, our in our local town, organized sports started in first grade, and some were sponsored by the city wow. of Seymour, Indiana, yep. and some were sponsored by the boys' club. So first grade was a starting point, and that included baseball, basketball, soccer, and flag football, and I played all four. Uh, whatever was in season was my favorite sport. Whatever was in season, those were my favorite players that I looked up to. Yep. And I think at that time of my life, I, I really truly thought I had an opportunity to be a four-sport professional athlete and that was where my uh, where my intention was now obviously that part didn't come true but um i had a <laughs> heck of a lot of fun leading up to it playing all those sports and just being able to compete but also make friends and and sharing those fun times with, with the kids that i went to school with kids that were in my town that went to other schools when we played the boys club and and those are some fond memories yeah, I mean that's that's so cool. I mean, I think just like the the culture of being in that is what's uh, what's so amazing. And and I love what you just said there about um, you know whatever sport was in season was your favorite sport. Whatever team you were on, those were your favorite guys. Like that's that's pretty cool. Yes, it was. So let's. Um, I I know that your focus is on basketball, but leading up to to basketball, um, do you think that the various sports that you played helped kind of direct you into basketball and then also helped you develop as a basketball player? I, absolutely. I think, you know, when I look back at each sport individually and what they did, I think when I look at my soccer experience, it really helped me understand the importance of spacing. It helped me understand the spatial awareness, um, especially again, when you're, when you're passing a ball there's very there's a lot of similarities between soccer and basketball and the types of of cutting that your teammates do to open spaces and looking and anticipating watching positioning of how somebody's defending your teammate and how you're going to be able to get them the ball also if you have the ball either on your foot or in basketball in your hands you know you have the ability to beat somebody one-on-one -on -one. the principles of that are going to be similar and when you're a kid you're not necessarily consciously thinking of that as a first and second grader yeah but your mind is building those experiences and I think that's the important part is getting that repetition I think very importantly an open play yeah and that was really our boys club experience to, to give a little background on that um, flag football baseball and basketball were all played early on through the boys club mm -hmm. and they had a one they had one person who was the director of it and he would referee he would officiate yeah. and the rest of the time we we ran our own teams they pick one team captain and when i was the team captain for two years i'd bring in a little manila folder with our lineup in it mm -hmm. and we had to play everybody a certain amount of time but i would sit down the night before and fill out the lineup and you'd talk with your friends and so we were learning other skills just besides the sport yeah and it also opened up myself to my first challenge too because in third grade at the boys club, I made the all-star team. It was a third and fourth grade group. Yep. And I did not get a lot of playing time. And it was, it was really that as a third grader, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to comprehend. I'm like all, yeah. all along, we've basically been playing equal time. And now all of a sudden um, I'm sitting on the bench, not even getting in games. I'm like the 13th one on the bench. And yeah. I remember a trip to Terre Haute, Indiana, went over there for an all-star tournament, didn't get into either of the games. And when we got home, I heard my parents in their bedroom with the door slightly cracked. They had no idea I was in earshot yeah. saying Aaron loves sports so much, but I'm not sure he's going to be good enough to play it. And I still <laughs> tell them to this day that that has probably been 
the signature moment, not only in my life developing my sports career, but in my life outside of sports too, because I've always used that conversation as a motivator. Yeah. And I thank them a lot and they kind of chuckle and go, well, I'm, I'm glad we said that when we did while you were listening, because <laughs> yeah. it truly has been a driving force. Um, and I feel like sometimes you need, you really, truly, you do need some of those events along the way that are speed bumps to uh, to understand how you can get and climb to the next level. And so that one for me came early, third grade boys club basketball. Yeah, I mean, I obviously I completely agree as well. It's kind of the whole point of this podcast is to show that people that become successful, uh, they only become successful because they have experienced various kinds of failure. Um, and the, the lessons that you learn from that and the adversity that you are able to um, you know, persevere through is really what builds that character and, and builds that, that motivation for pushing harder and farther than most other people will uh, ultimately resulting in, um, in success. And uh, I, I love that, that, I mean, it happened early on for you, but you said to this day, it's a, it's a motivating factor. And that's, that's exactly the point is like, there's, there's always, you always want those motivating factors to just keep driving you forward. And uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yep, and, it, and, and I tell you what, it was one of those situations too. It, it's, I think sometimes, you know, when my parents look back on it now and, and it's been what, 36 years, they, I think get when I'm, when I'm saying it, I'm actually complimenting them. I said, I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you had those conversations uh, I appreciate the fact that you didn't necessarily come to me and discourage me. They were always encouraging yeah. in front of me, but it was nice to know that they were thinking of those things along the way. And they weren't, they weren't dumping it as, well, it's the coach's fault or, yeah. you know, let's go, let's go call the coach so we can figure out how to make our son happy. It was more of, from the standpoint of, wow, we'll be, we really want him to be able to achieve the goals that he has. And we're a little concerned right now that, he might not be on the right track, but they never jumped in to like handle it for me. It was, yep. they still allow me to be, be the one that handled it. And I always have appreciated that. Yeah. You know, I think that that's, that's a big thing that's changed in today's uh, landscape is a lot of the times the parents are looking to blame somebody else for maybe their kids um, lack of success, as opposed to taking a good hard look at themselves and having conversations about themselves saying, you know, maybe, maybe it's not somebody else's fault. Maybe it's actually my child. And maybe we like, what can we do to, to change that story to help them become successful themselves as opposed to, uh, you know, like I said, blaming a coach or, you know, other players on the team or something like that. So true. And it has helped me as a sports parent myself to take a longer view of things and realize yeah. that just because your kids at a certain place on the team now doesn't mean that that's where they're going to be forever. And I've really focused on taking specific moments and analyzing them and keeping them in proper perspective. And yeah. one of the things I always tell our, our daughters and, and whether it's around sports or school or anything else is don't, don't look at a situation in the present time and judge it, analyze it, look at ways you can improve it, look at ways you can develop yourself and learn and grow, Yep. but don't judge it until the product is finished because it, we, we are continually evolving as people and we're not finished products at any point. And then you take it to sports, an athlete's not a finished product till they retire from their sport. Yep. A team yep. is not a finished product till the season's over. Yep. And I think if we get away from judging the experience and just analyze and look at what can we do better, it would help both athletes and teams alike um, find more success and value from, from competing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with, with what you're saying there. I mean, that's, that's so true. 
Um, well, let's let's jump a little bit now into um, you deciding to focus on basketball. What was it that drove you to to stop playing other sports and to start with basketball? So I, w- I was still by the time my freshman year of high school rolled around, I had already given up the the football. Not, I did not have a lot of speed, so I realized football and soccer both. I, I had some limitations in those areas. I, I didn't. I also did not have a great. Uh, I'd, I'd call them like hips. My my ability to turn yep. and change direction quickly was not as good as it needed to be. And so I started to look at, okay, I'm down to baseball and basketball. So freshman year, I, I played basketball, had a, had a good season playing on the junior varsity. Yep. Baseball, go go to the freshman team. And I knew right away, I was thinking, this is probably going to be my last year of baseball because every time we took any kind of batting practice that was throwing it more than just, uh, you know, the, the coach or the pitcher throwing batting practice, lobbing it in, yep. I had a really hard time. My bat speed was so slow <laughs> that I was always hitting the ball to the opposite field. Yep. And I just couldn't get turned on fastballs. And so I realized at that point that uh, my time of baseball was coming to an end. And at that point, I, I decided, you know what, I need to follow basketball. Basketball, I'd always loved all sports, but basketball had always been one that, that I had a special connection to. And um, I took it from there and, and, and made that then the focus of uh, what I was going to do from there on out. But I wasn't I didn't do that until I was 15 years old and yeah. a sophomore in high school before I, I made that jump just to basketball. Did you have any pressure from your parents to focus on on one sport? Uh, none. They always have been and I have to give them a lot of credit for this. They have always been loving and supportive, but gave me the space to pursue whatever I wanted to within the sports. They allowed me to have dreams and allow me to chase them and figure out for myself whether they could be reached or not. Mm-hmm. And when the disappointing times were there, when they didn't, weren't, goals weren't reached, they were there to hug me and love me. Um, when there were times that success happened and we had things to celebrate, they were there to celebrate with me. Yeah. But they always yeah. understood all along that it wasn't about them. It was about my experience. And I've always truly appreciated that. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. Again, things that have changed these days is, you know, it seems as though the focus these days is on the parents experience and they're just using their kids as a way to, uh, to experience things, um, you know, their own failed glory, we'll call it. Uh, but, but mm-hmm. I really truly think that they just are when parents do that, it's to the detriment of the child, you know, they're taking that experience away from the child and, and ultimately we play sports and we want our kids to play sports for the enjoyment, for the fun. And, um, and it's there, it's, it's the player's experience. It shouldn't really have anything to do with the parents. And I've always said, I think with the players, they will find the enjoyment and joy and fun in it. Oh yeah. And they'll understand that, Hey, we're going to have rough practice. We're going to have tough times. The coach is going to yell at us. It's all part of the experience. And I think the, the players themselves actually know that. And I think that message doesn't get disturbed until parents jump in yep. and try to mix themselves in places where they shouldn't. Yep. No, I, I again, I couldn't agree more. Um, let's talk a little bit about basketball now into, into high school, Seymour high school. Um, you know, you said you started your freshman year playing JV. Um, let's just talk about that experience, how you decided, like how you grew um, through that experience. Well, I, consider myself fortunate to be on the JV team. We had, it was, we were a fairly sizable school and a, and a hotbed for basketball. Yeah. So myself and another teammate played junior varsity as freshmen. Um, everybody else in our class was on the freshman team. Varsity was very senior heavy, a lot of experience that year, about uh-huh. eight or nine, nine seniors. So the biggest benefit from the JV experience was the fact that 
we practiced every day against the varsity. Uh-huh. We were the scout team, in essence, for the varsity. So I learned a lot about different defenses, different offenses, yep. different concepts, because we were playing those for every school that we competed against. It also helped me improve and get better because basically during practice four days a week in preparation for the games, you're playing at a varsity level yeah. against the varsity. And so I discovered some things about myself, but it helped me figure out how to get my shot off quicker. It allowed me to figure out what my strengths were. Yep. And I was able to take those then. And then the next year transition into the, the varsity level without as, I, I don't think the transition was as large as it would have been if I didn't have that JV step first. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good lesson right there is, you know, um, when you're put up against players that are better than you, um, you really have no choice but to learn and learn quickly. And I think that in training, uh, like for me, youth soccer players um, today, we always try and put our players in a situation where they're going to find some sort of challenge, but also um, some sort of success as well. And that's kind of like the perfect environment um, of, of having them, having yourself being able to play up against the varsity, but then also being able to play, the JV squad and find that success. I mean, I think that's, you know, true development. That's how you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so let's, we'll, we'll just keep going here with, with your career. Let's talk about, you know, the highlights of your, of your high school career. Well, I, you know, as I look back on it, you know, at the time you're doing it, you focus most on your success. Are you winning? Yeah. Are you a, accomplishing things as a team? Are you having personal success? I've, you know, at that time, I'm obviously chasing the goal of playing college basketball. Yeah. So there, those things were top of mind. As I look back on it, though, and I think about what I truly gained from it, and, and a few things always stand out And as I get older even more prominently. The first one is really appreciating the success we had. Um, basketball in Indiana is huge. I'm, yeah. I'm sure many listening to this have, have watched the movie Hoosiers. Yep. And what you saw there, the love of it is, is real. Um, I was fortunate enough to play in a gym that seated 8,200 people. And it's, it's one of the largest high school gyms. There's some debate whether it's first, second, or third in the world, yeah. but it's, it's right there. And so having the opportunity to experience that and play in front of large crowds and understand that you were doing something that, first of all, was an honor to be able to do. Only yeah. a handful of people in your entire school got to do that. And I always thought, you know, as I look back, and I did this little at the time, but even more so now, think back to all the kids that would have loved to have played. And I realized how fortunate I was to have that opportunity. I also have thought about the responsibility we had each night to go out and compete and do the best we can, because while the people were only paying $5, it's still $5. And they chose to spend an hour and a half of their evening on a Friday or Saturday to come and watch us play basketball and do something that we love. And so to be able to share that, um, I look back with fondness that that part of the experience too. And I think, um, you know, I think it's one of those things that it wouldn't hurt if we did a little more of bringing that out to kids while they're playing. Again, that shouldn't be their main focus, but let them know like, Hey, appreciate these times because they don't last forever. And you've got to enjoy them while you can. What I also learned from it and took from is the importance of team. We had, by my senior year, we had a team that was based around seven seniors. Uh, Myself and my six teammates had played together for for several years, had played against each other, you know, growing up at different elementary schools, but then would play together in the summer. Yep. And it was a, the, the experience with them 
was tremendous because we had a tremendous amount of respect for each other. And I think they would all agree too, that none of us were what I would call best friends. Yep. We weren't people who necessarily did a lot socially off the court with each other. But what we did do is we, we had a tremendous respect and trust for each other when we played. And I think about how after games on the bus ride home, how mature we were yeah. for 17 and 18 year old, we would talk about the game, whether we won or lost. Yeah. And we would discuss like things we need to do better, things we need to work on, you know, discuss certain plays or things that happened to figure out how can we make this better. And it, it led to us being an opportunity to win what's called the sectional, which is like the first round of the high school tournament. Yeah. And it's the only sectional that our high schools won in the last 37 years. Wow. And so we, we still look back on it. We had a text string going a couple, couple months ago and uh, we were kind of going back and forth and, and obviously we want our school to have success and we'd love to, to see them win another, but we're also like the longer it goes, the more we realize what we did was a pretty special accomplishment. Oh and, yeah. Um, we, we share in that together and that bond will never be broken. And the other thing, you know, we were able to do was compete the right way every night. I had a, I had a college coach during the recruiting process tell me, and it was the greatest compliment he could give our team. He said, I don't know if I've ever seen a high school team that was as committed to doing the right thing game in and game out as uh -huh. you guys were like, nobody was jacking around. Nobody was, playing outside of how the coach wanted it to be played. You all shared the ball. You were teammates. You were willing participants and competing together. And he said, you don't see that a lot at the high school level. Yeah. You get everybody pulling in the same direction. And um, that's what, something I've always taken a lot of pride into. Yeah. I mean, I think that that shows just the testament to the, the maturity that you guys said that you had. And, you know, I think there's uh, th throughout that entire um, conversation right there, like, there's so many different things I feel like we can focus on. And um, I, I want to go back to what you said about the, the culture that you guys had within that group of respect, you know, and I think that for myself, I know that the teams that I played on that were the best and the most successful were the ones where the players and I'll call it the locker room was one of respect. Like you said, you didn't have to be best friends off the field, but you had this mutual respect and this, um, mutual desire for success and everybody understands that it's it's all it all comes down to you guys working hard for each other and that's a, a lesson that i think is lost a lot of times these days and you know it's 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 we've somehow turned these kids into um specifically in soccer where it's it's so individual it's all about the success that the individual can have and we lose the idea that the individual success actually comes from team success and, you know, that's, that's one that I think that you know, I certainly try and teach to, to my kids and to my players um, that if you want the individual success, the best thing you can do is work hard for the guy next to you, because that's going to that's going to end up driving team success, which ultimately results in individual success. And, you know, when when college coaches recruit athletes, they want to see people who have had success. Yep. If you're a winner, if, if you've had the experience of winning and winning at a high level and winning tournaments and competing against high-level opponents, those are the things that a college coach is looking at yep. that they know that competitive nature will transfer. Um, if you're a kid, and we'll just use basketball as an example, that can you know go out and score 50 points in a game against inferior competition, That's and, and because you shoot the ball all the time and don't share it with your teammates, yeah. college coaches see past that. And I, I cringe sometimes when I get on Twitter and I'll see a parent say, you know, my son or daughter scored 32 points and grabbed 
six rebounds in a yeah. you know 85 to 35 win and i'm like that really didn't tell us anything about them exactly like it's uh, you know it, in a close game against a comparable opponent you know if they do that that tells us something but you don't need to necessarily publicize that yeah to uh, to to make it, it, it the coaches will see it they know what's going on and um and i think sometimes it 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 misguides the perspective of the the other athletes and where you fit on the team when we when we see so much of that the, the individual side of things posted and I, and again i'm not knocking kids and parents i understand it's a different we didn't even have the temptation of social media so yeah. hard telling what myself or our or my friends would have done but uh, i just know not having that and and just having a team that was committed to each other was a tremendous high school basketball experience that i still cherish to this day well what do you think was your biggest adversity in your high school basketball career you know, I think when, when you look back at the high school basketball career, probably the, the biggest adversity was during our junior year. Mm-hmm. We had some high expectations that season, and the, the season didn't start out the way we wanted it to. There was, there was some a little bit, a, a tick of internal conflict between the juniors and the seniors yeah. that were on the team. And we went through a really challenging stretch early in the year where we lost four or five games. And I just remember as I look back on that, that I thought that is where we built our maturity. And it goes back to what I said earlier, that we, we don't take individual situations and judge them. We analyze them. And if we had lost our minds at that point and said, we've lost four in a row, we're two and six, we should never touch a basketball again because we're going to be awful. That would have been the wrong way to handle that. What we did instead was rally around each other, rally around our coaches, continue to trust each other and by the end of the year we were 13 and 9 we mm-hmm. did get beaten the sectional that year and it was a disappointing loss but i got to tell you that helped us grow for the next year yeah but i think within that the the fact that we were able to face some of the the maybe less than quality relationships within the team at first yeah and then we're able to take those and and grow from it was a real testament to again what the the fullness of a sports experience can be when again adults stay out of it parents stay out of it and allow the coaches and the kids to to work through the bad and good times together yeah yeah well let's jump now into college ball you had the the ability to get to go beyond high school and play some college ball um talk about one just what was your mentality about having like when you realized that was a possibility um and then first impressions when you actually get into you know the gym and onto the court in in the college situation well first i was very excited that that one of the goals i had had and had for a long time to play college basketball had been reached and that so i again going into it excited enthusiastic couldn't wait to have the experience yeah a couple of things that challenges that popped up immediately were number 1 I realized there is a lot less margin for error at the next level. <laughs> so in high school, you could, you know, if you weren't a great defender and I was by no means a great defender, my coaches could find somebody on the other team to hide me on. Yeah. Um, you don't hide at the college level. Yeah. And so at the college level, they're looking to expose any weakness you have. And so I, I always thought that that was one of the intriguing things about it was trying to figure out how to either overcome the weaknesses or, what, what other roles and things you could do to, to, to play to your strengths. Yeah. The other thing too, was 
um, it jumps up in athletic, like the, the athleticism of yeah. the athletes jumps up a notch. And so, you know, being ready and understanding how important the preparation is physically through lifting weights, conditioning, doing all mental preparation, those things that, that get you ready for that next level, extremely important. And then I also think the other challenge that I faced in that first semester at college was just the increase in difficulty in the academics. Yeah. Um, I went to a liberal arts college. And within that, there was a lot of writing. And, and I had come from a school where we did a lot more of the uh, multiple choice and fill in the blank type <laughs> testing. And yeah. all of a sudden, I'm getting a blue book yeah. for every test. <laughs> blue book. Um, and I'm sitting there going, what, what, what's this? <laughs> we, yeah. we have to write for an hour? No. And so that was a, <laughs> that was a tough adjustment, too. So you take the adjustment to academics on top of adjusting to being in a different environment, playing with better players playing with less margin of error, the time yep. that it takes to put into college sports. And, and you've got a challenge uh, at first to balance all of those. Yeah. I mean, I, I had very similar experience myself, just getting used to the, the academics of it and also just that responsibility of being on your own and making sure that you have to get everywhere on time. <laughs> that was a big one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what would you say – you know, again, focusing on kind of the, the adversity of things. What was the toughest thing for you when it came to um, playing um, college basketball? You know, the, the toughest thing for me was the adjustment to not being, you know, going from where I was the star yeah. of my high school team yeah. to being a, a just another player yeah. on my college team. And understanding that the playing time in games wasn't going to be where I wanted it to be. Yeah. And that because of the players I had playing in front of me, I, I was working hard and I was trying to improve and trying to get better, but there were just better players in front of me. And so I, I had to overcome that obstacle by saying, all right, let's change the mindset and make the most yep. of this experience. Yeah. You can either sit and pout and, and complain because you're not playing, or you can say, how can I help the team? And so I put my heart and soul into being the best player I could be at practices to always being prepared to help the starters and those in the, the regular rotation get better every single day and do what the coaches ask us. Again, when we were on the scout team side, drawing back to my JV high school experience, yep. do, you know, take time to learn the game, soak it in, keep competing, keep trying to earn a spot, but know that until that time comes, do what your job is now to help the team be the best that it can be. So filling that role was what I focused on. And then the other thing was it helped me understand that even if you're not playing a lot, you are still a part of the team. Every yeah. single person in an organization matters. And when I talk to groups now, I, I remind them that every single person matters from the players, the coaches, the support staff, the, the trainers, the managers, the, the maintenance crew that's cleaning the gym, everybody has to be in step pulling in the same direction yep. because if anybody's not, you're, you're not going to have a team that's going to be able to maximize itself at the highest level it possibly can. So it gave me a, a sense of value in the team and it helped me understand how important the shared experience of competing is. And that that can be done when everybody's willingly embracing their roles. Now that doesn't mean that you aren't competitive at trying to earn a spot. That doesn't mean you just acquiesce. But what it does mean is from day to day, you do what you're supposed to do that day to the highest level to help your team win. And if that means on the court, go get them. If it means you're on the bench, support, cheer. If you see something that 
from the bench that they don't see on the floor, go tell a teammate, hey, maybe you need to defend this guy like yep. X, Y, Z, or have you thought about running this play? Help the coaches. Be engaged. Don't just uh, don't don't be a participant that uh, is, is sitting on the bench pouting and complaining because that will not help the team and it'll pull pull your team in the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're absolutely right there, and uh, I respect that maturity to actually recognize um, and not not find not go that path to uh, call it the dark side, the angry side of you know I'm not playing, so now I'm angry and I'm going to blame everybody else. It's um, you know I'm not playing. But how can I how can I get better? How can I help? How can I make myself even more important um, within this team environment? That's a, a huge testament to you. And and um, I, I hope that other kids and other people listening recognize that that is the right way to go about things. Um, you know, you 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 have to be a supportive teammate. You want to be a good teammate, whether you're playing or not. And um, what you said there about how every single person matters is so incredibly true. I didn't really realize that in my own career until after I had stopped. You know, I was always the player that, like, if I wasn't starting, I felt, like, worthless. And I didn't realize until after my playing career was over that, nope, the guy that doesn't even play a minute in a real game is still just as important as the superstar on the team. They play a huge role in the team. And um, and that's a really important lesson for people to, to hear and to learn. Um, well, in, yeah, I was going to say, you know, the, with the Super Bowl having taken place last night, yeah. um, one, one of the things I think is apropos from that is when the ring ceremony takes place in May, April or May, whenever Kansas City does it, yep. and they're handing the championship rings out, Patrick Mahomes' yep. championship ring is the quarterback, the, the key leader in the NFL or in the um, Super Bowl MVP is going to yep. be the exact same ring that the 53rd player on the roster who maybe contributed differently. Yep gets as well no one no one's getting any different ring on that it's the, it's the same one and they they've all they both earned it and they both are proud of it and they both can always say we're champions and you can't take yep. that from them no absolutely and that's i think such an important lesson well let's talk a little bit now about some of the work you're doing with competition matters well one of the things that that my experience is going through basketball both in high school and college and, and especially in college facing the adversity that i that I did from a playing time standpoint and having to adjust my mindset really helped me to see sports through a different lens. And so now I'm in with the competition matters, trying to work with parents, with athletes, educating youth coaches on how they can do a better job of bringing the sports experience for the athlete to a level where they can grow as both athletes and as people. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that, I focus on in that and some of the, I don't know if you'd call them pillars, but I think there's certain values that one of them I, I learned through my adversity in college was urgent patience. And it's <laughs> yeah. a term that was, that was coined by a Harvard business professor, but I love it because it's, it's a means to be urgent in your daily work to try to get better, improve and learn and grow, but it's to be patient for the outcomes and, and don't overreact to where you are today. Yeah. Um, I also talk a lot with kids about treating every day as a tryout mentality. And I think that crosses over into school and into work and anything we do, because if we approach the day with a certain amount of uh, cockiness or a lack of humility or already thinking we made it, we're not going to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. But if we are confident and, but with that confidence, humble enough to say today's a new day 
and I need to go out today and be the best I can be to prove to myself and others that I'm an integral part of this team and I can fill the role that I'm filling in life, whether it's a, a parent, whether it's a, a employee at a company, whether you're a manager for a company, whether yep. you're an, an athlete, a coach, whatever that role is, treat each day like a tryout. Go in with that fresh mindset. I'm going to be the best that I can today, and it's important today. Yep. And then I think the other thing, too, that, that I look at is understanding that the journey is long and that it comes with specific points along the way that are going to be potholes or speed bumps that are going to present challenges, but the journey wouldn't be as rich or complete without those. And very few successful people in, in and out of sports have been on a linear path with no conflict. Yeah. In fact, we could probably say zero people yeah. have been on a linear path with yeah. no conflict. I think we'd be safe to say that. And so if we can help kids understand that that is part of the athletic journey and if we can help parents find their boundary to not get involved or, or not short circuit that mm -hmm. and if we can help youth coaches understand that winning an eight or nine year old championship yes you need to go compete as hard as you can yes you want to win that yep but the end all be all of that experience is not the trophy at the end it's the opportunity to develop these young people into not only better athletes, but athletes that are ready for whatever that next phase in life. And I believe that that's a whole process that, if done right, starts from the time a young athlete begins playing sports and competing and then has a – there are steps along the way that they can gain from those experiences. Just like I think I've been able to share today, I had parents that, that had those boundaries, and I learned from all the experiences, and they have now made me the person I am today who's also still – interested in learning and growing and developing because that never stops yep no, i couldn't agree more i mean that that's all of that what you just said is so so incredibly true and, and those are all such good lessons for kids to to hear and to learn um you know and, and i couldn't agree more again with the fact that sport is such a good way to teach people um you know how to uh, be successful in out, outside of sports you know i've always kind of said that in youth sports right now, it seems that the focus, like the end goal is always scholarship. And I, I would like to see it change to enjoyment. You know, we want kids to enjoy the game and learn the skills to make them successful in life because scholarship, even if you attain that, it, it, it's over in four years. You know, it's, it's this, this thing that you, you've been striving for and striving for, but then it ends very abruptly and if you don't have all the tools needed to be successful um, beyond that, then what was really the point of, of playing even before that? And so um, I think all the work that you're doing is, is so incredibly important and, and well done. And, um, you know, that's it's just, a, again, a testament to you. Well, and I think, you know, the, the thing that drives me with it is that nothing makes me sadder than seeing an athlete who is done playing and they're lost. Yep. Like they just have that emptiness in and their loss, and I, I'm sure you've experienced this with many athletes in, <laughs> yeah. in your work, and I see this with many too, that they get to the end, and it is such an abrupt finish when your sports career ends. It just, yeah. one day you're playing, and the next day it's done, and, and I'm not equating this to the death of a human by any means, but it is a death, it's a death of part of your soul as yeah. an athlete, yep. and you need to renew yourself and find 
that energy to put towards something else. And I, I really truly believe that if we do a better job of being intentional about helping our kids find joy in the process, uh-huh. enjoy competing, joy in engaging in the shared experience with others, that along the way, if we're intentional about that, we can help them pick up those values and see themselves as more than just athletes. Yeah. So that when that abrupt stop comes, they can either smoothly transition in, or even if there is a little bit of an, a natural bump right there that they have to get over, it's going to be a shorter one because they have the tools available to them to get themselves to the, the next step in their lives, the next phase in their lives. And um, that, that to me is what, what all the work is all about. Yeah. I, again, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Well, um, look, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, is there, can you tell our listeners where they can find more about you and, and get in contact with you and, and learn uh, more about Competition Matters? Absolutely. I have a, a website that you can go to. It's at www.hashtagcompetitionmatters, and that's all spelled out. It's not the, not the pound sign, but <laughs> hashtagcompetitionmatters.com. And that's the website. And then I'm also on, active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My Facebook is at, and then it's Aaron, capital A, A-R-O-N, Leon, capital L, E-O-N, Sites, capital S-E-I-T-Z, and then the number one. And then I am at hashtag competition matters, both on Instagram and Facebook. And I post on there regularly, have um, sometimes they're inspirational quotes. Sometimes it's things that I'm observing within the sports world that are relevant to, to what's going on today. When any major things happen in sports, too, I tend to, to have a statement or a comment on there as well and, and sometimes even in a little bit longer form like three or four paragraphs of thoughts and, and always with the idea of how can we make the experience better how can we learn from the experiences that we're seeing oh, that's great well again i want to say thank you so much for coming on the show really enjoyed the conversation and hopefully uh, i know that our listeners will as well well thank you kelly i appreciate you uh, having me and i hope uh, good, good luck to you too as you continue your uh, mission as well i, I think we can't have enough of us out there trying to do what's best for the the kids and their experience. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, all right. Thank you. And um, we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks Kelly. All right. Bye-bye.